Hello, Superhero Ethics listeners. As I've mentioned on our blog and on Facebook, during this quarantine time, I'm trying to record as many episodes as I can, and we have a lot of great content for you. I've recorded episodes already on Birds of Prey. Uh, The morning that this goes live, I'm also recording an episode on the ethics of Q from the Star Trek universe. And we've got a number more planned for this weekend, early next week, to keep content coming at you while you're stuck at home or working the essential jobs that we are so thankful for. But the other thing I've been doing recently is that, along with Matt Carroll from the Stranded Panda Podcast Network, he and I are doing a watch and podcast about Altered Carbon, the science fiction show that a lot of people went crazy about and has now had two seasons out. Neither he or I is seeing it, and starting on Monday of this week uh, that I'm recording this and about to post it, he and I have every day watched an episode and then immediately afterwards uh, recorded a podcast with our thoughts on that episode. And we're going to keep doing that through all two seasons. All of that is on the Bingers Assemble Network, and I wanted today to share with you just what a little bit of that. So here is the first episode of our Altered Carbon uh, podcast that you can find on the Bingers Assemble Network. Stay tuned for more great content, and thank you guys for being fans. Welcome to Bingers Assemble, uh, the podcast where today we're covering Altered Carbon. My name is Matthew Carroll. I'm Matthew S. Fox. What's up, buddy? How are you? I'm good. I'm good. This was a this was a fun episode to watch. Um, uh, we're trying something new, obviously, for those who've been following along with us already. We had a couple of technical problems. We're still figuring out the the Twitch and the Netflix party. Um, but even just having a couple of you making comments as we were watching along the way uh, made it really fun, and I, I enjoyed getting to kind of you know be ter- the terrible people who talk during a TV show. Um, but right. uh, we got to have a good conversation, and uh, I'm looking forward to, to diving into this because this has a lot for us to talk about. Yeah, I. I wanted to be able to pause every time we had a comment to make, but uh, because I wasn't actually on the Netflix party, it made it tricky. Um, we had some technical issues, but here we go. Let's talk about the show, because this is the podcast, after all. A lot of these people weren't even on the Netflix party, so uh, yep. if you if you haven't watched Altered Carbon yet, go watch it. We're going to talk about it now. Full spoiler alert. I should say, especially in terms of uh, spoiler warnings... Uh, both Matt and I have never seen the show before, so literally all we have seen is the episode we're talking about now. Uh, that's going to be part of the fun of this, is that we're going to watch the episode every day. So, um, yeah, a- as a way to establish a world, I thought there was a... It-, it left me a lot of questions, but, like, sometimes the first episode of a show, it throws so many things at me that I'm entirely confused, and by the time I get to maybe episode five or six, it all clicks into place, and I think it's kind of cool but I don't really enjoy those first couple episodes often. Um, This I thought did a really good job of answering enough questions and being okay, giving us some exposition and some starting information right off the bat that like, I I don't feel like I'm totally lost. You know, I feel like I have a solid idea of what's happening in the world. I understand who some of the major characters are and who some of the major factions are. And there's a lot to still to fill in, but I feel like I've got a, a handle on the bare bones. Does, it, does that make sense to you? Yeah, absolutely. I was worried when this show started because the first like three or four minutes was very confusing. I didn't know what was going on. I don't know what a sleeve is. I don't know what a, you know, all, all this stuff. I didn't know what it meant. And um, they did something that is kind of rare these days. And I'm really glad they did it, uh, which is just take the time to give a character an, a, a monologue of exposition. Um, there's a trope yeah. that is always talked about in uh, in TV and movies, which is show don't tell, 
which I know is right. like the thing you're supposed to do, but I don't really buy it. Like, I think you should yeah. tell sometimes. Uh, some of my favorite scenes in some of my favorite movies are when Doc Brown just like explains what's going on in the timeline. You know, he's like, got a, got a chalkboard out and he's drawing literal lines. This is, this is our original timeline and it splits off here. And that's what we got with that, um, holographic explanation of what a sleeve right. is. Um, what would the device that she explained the device in their necks, um, explain the entire thing. And I just thought that was, uh, really rad for them to do that. And that's, it's honestly, it's just my kind of nerdiness that this fits perfectly yeah. with. <laughs> I, I would 100% agree with you there, especially because as I see, I kind of have a modified version of it is that I don't mind exposition when it fits in the story, you know, like, as you said, you know, the, 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 uh, back up a second. The exposition I don't like is when I feel like a character is saying something that I find it hard to believe that one character would say to another, and I feel like they're only saying it to tell me the audience what's happening. Absolutely, and that's why you have to design stories in such a way so you have a character that needs to know that information. Like, that's an important part when you're designing. Right. But you get to make those decisions when you're writing a story, and often people... Well, like, as you said, we'll, we'll spend five episodes and you're still kind of getting grasp on what's going on. And I like yeah. that this one got me in quickly. It explained the world. I mean, even if you look at like, um, you know, that we, 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 during the live stream, we talked about how this kind of reminded us of Firefly, uh, particularly the, uh, the, as the character aspect is it, I mean, he even said he's the only survivor of that one battle. And, and that yeah. reminded me of him being a survivor of Serenity of Mal being a survivor of Serenity Valley. Um, very much. And, and all, all of this is so, so Malcolm Reynolds. He's very Malcolm Reynolds. He, he fought against, uh, the, the empire and lost. And that's his character. Our hero here is still, or our protagonist is literally being asked to fight, to live in the world that he fight it, that he fought hard to prevent. Yes. Which to me is very much a Mal thing. Also, he, they talked about him, but going from being a mer mercenary to a soldier back to being a mercenary, which reminds me of Malcolm again, even though he went to being a smuggler, yeah. which is a little different, but it's, it's still going back into like the illegal economy because that's where he fits in a world where he's lost. Yeah. And I'll just back up. One other thing I wanted to say on the exposition thing is, to me, when I talked about like an unrealistic ver reason, to me having li like the you know the, the 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 thing that explains to all of the new sleeved bodies what their situation is, like that makes total sense, you know. And so to me, it didn't feel like exposition because it felt like this is what a character would say in that world. Yeah, one hundred percent. So, yeah. Oh, and that was um, so sad. The little girl, the little girl in the old woman's body, uh, that broke yeah, my heart. That that was heartbreaking. And I, I said this when we were live, but I want to repeat it. It's to me that hit home because um, I've said before on other casts, I, I love science fiction where they use the crazy setting that they're in to tell stories that reflect stories in our own world. And the idea of like the government issuing technology that literally does what it's supposed to, but in such a way that is incredibly dehumanizing um, to me, I, I resonated with that because I know um for me, as someone who has a prosthetic, um, happily, I didn't go through this, but I knew others, um, you know, especially when the, the war in Iraq was really bad and you had a lot of soldiers getting prosthetics. There was a number of stories of, you know, soldiers getting a prosthetic that was a completely different skin color than they, than they were. Um, something that just didn't feel like it was in any way connected to their body. Um, so it, it, was, it was one, it was that, that was just one little moment that made me think like, yeah, here's a real problem that exists in our world and 500 years or whatever it is in the future 
it would probably still keep going. Um, so yeah. yeah, that was a nice little poignant moment. And, and I thought also just in that one little moment, it told you so much about like economic deprivation is still a big deal. You know, mm-hmm. the government is doing what it needs to technically, but it's not really very compassionate. And, you know, you, the technology helps people, but you get as much technology as you can buy. Like all of that was told that kind of funny. We we're just saying like, we had the great exposition. That moment with a little girl is a perfect example of showing, not telling. Because there For we sure. did learn so much about the world in just a character moment. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. And I, I, do, I'm, I'm, I don't mean that to say I don't like when they show instead of tell. I just mean that I don't mind when they tell. You know, if it's yeah. if it fits the story, I don't mind when they tell. Um, so, yeah, definitely this is a – this is established as a world of the haves and have-nots. What's what's the – Blanchard? Is That's not the – that's not the main character. That's not the rich guy. Bancroft. Bancroft. Is it – and he's yeah. – Bancroft is the guy that, that also was – he mentions on the way there, right? He's like, I think, I think, I think, I hate this Bancroft guy already. Yeah, because he knows that's the guy who leased him. R- okay, that's it. That's it. Yeah. So this yeah, guy leased he, him. He kind of owns him at the moment. So that's obviously right. Someone he would hate. Uh, he's also heard multiple things about him on the drive that just makes him sound like the rich technocrat that he fought against for so long. Yeah. So one thing I picked up on, and this is kind of like one of my big questions going forward. Um, it seemed, he was obviously adjusting to some cultural things, but an awful lot of the technology, the, like the world that we saw in his flashbacks did not look like it was 250 years in the past of the world that's happening now. And a, it, it seemed like, you know, the trope is, you know, like the, the fish out of water story. You take a person and, and put them in a totally different time in the future that half the time is them trying to figure out all this new crazy technology. Yeah. Um, and, and you'd think that, as we've seen, the speed of technology keeps getting faster and faster and faster. Um, I'm hoping that this is intentional, like, because they sort of hinted at the idea that, like, a lot of development has kind of just stopped. And that's kind of what I'm hearing, too. Or even, even retracted. There's even a scene at the beginning, he says, where am I? And they say, you know, you're at the, the, the clinic or whatever. And he says... No, no, no. What planet? And they're like, Earth, obviously. So it sounds like yeah. uh, 250 years ago when he lived, they were in some sort of expansive society that went went to different planets. And now that's not such a big question anymore uh, yeah. based on that one little thing. So it sounds like not only have they maybe stopped progressing, but maybe they have regressed, at least in their travels. And, and, and – um, Bancroft, am I getting that right? Is that his name? Yep. <laughs> okay. Bancroft says at one point, we've lost the time of adventurers. Mm, um, yeah, and, that's a good point. And so I think that has something to do with it. I think they're not going out into the the, the galaxy anymore, it sounds like, which is yeah. interesting. It's, it's interesting. And, it, and is this supposed to show sort of like a post um, – post-rise of capitalism, fall of capitalism after so many years, but the entrenched powers are still so entrenched that they can't be brought down. I mean, we see we see what um, automated security can do at this point. Right. You can only imagine what kind of automated security Bancroft has at his service. Yeah. Um, so at that point, if you can afford that to happen, then who can stop you? I mean, he even has the, the greatest security that he has is the fact that Every forty-eight hours, he's downloaded onto a uh, 
a, a satellite that apparently can't be taken down, which I feel like I feel like that's going to be the season ender, right? Guaranteed something happens to that satellite by yeah. the end of the show. <laughs> take down that satellite I, so you can take down Bancroft for real. And, and it's interesting. Uh, um, I have not been much of a video game person, but I just started playing The Witcher, uh, in part inspired by The Witcher television show, which I know we're, we're probably going to talk about as well at some point. Um, and, and I'm having to once again get used to that idea of, you know, if you think you're about to go do something dangerous, you save the game because it's likely that you'll do like, you know, 20 minutes or two hours of great progress and forget to save the game. And then if you die, you have to go back to the last save, you know? Yeah. And, and that, that's exactly like, there's a lot of things about this that make me feel a lot like a video game, like the way characters can respawn, but you know, they don't remember the last couple hours. Like, I just thought that was absolutely brilliant. Um, I don't know if it's intentional a comic book, uh, a video game reference, but it definitely came through for me. Yeah, I, I definitely think it's a it's an allusion to that, if not uh, an intentional yeah. intentional. I mean, it's just a, a way that this world can work. And what I, what's kind of cool is I I could totally see a altered carbon video game where every time you respawn, you're in a different body. Oh, that would be so good. It'd be kind of fun. Kind of fun. One thing that actually, um, one of our uh, people who was bring, watching along with us, I think this was no one's minion. But if I got that wrong, uh, listeners, please uh, write in and let us know. But, you know, we were seeing that uh, Tack, or Tech, the protagonist, was originally in an Asian-presenting body, uh, and now is in a white one. Um, and his name certainly sounds very Asian, so I my, my impression is that he was an Asian person, uh, um, and is now in a white body, but that the, the, the point that uh, uh, our listener brought up was... What does that does? What does race mean in a world where you know your mind is constantly moving back and forth between different sleeves, and that the different sleeves can have different cultural appearances and different racial appearances? And that also relates to how often is is this happening? Is it, we get it, his scenario is very uh, novel. It sounds like, but how common is resleeving in this world? It sounds like right. victims get resleeved. Prisoners get resleeved from the stock of sleeves they have, which sounds like when someone goes to prison, they take. That's a, these are there's tons of ethical issues, and, I, and I'm I'm jumping over to other things, so we should stay on the oh, race yeah. thing for a second. I just it just really matters. Like I I I, I hope <laughs> the Star Trek fan in me and the uh, human being in me hopes that at this level, uh, where we're at least 400 years in the future or whatever, uh, the race won't matter. Uh, at least yeah. in, you know, in, in, in some form, I mean, sure you want to hold on to your culture and, and care about your culture, but like, it won't be a thing where people are, um, discriminated against. Yeah. People aren't being judged by their race. Um, and, and certainly that I, I, I don't know if that's where we're going, but certainly I am, I'm hoping and I'm expecting, cause I, I feel like if you had a TV show that if nothing else started with an Asian character, but then being downloaded into a white character, with no conversation about the racial implications there in the show. I, I think I know enough activist people who would have had some things to say about that. So I, I'm, I'm fairly confident this show is going to tackle race and or at least the racial implications of this kind of sleeving and de-sleeving. Um, yeah. So, so probably can't figure out too much, but I'm, I'm definitely looking forward to, to, to where it goes with that. Yeah, man, me too. Me too. You brought up uh, though, another great issue I think, which is, it's another one of my big questions, which is like you said, how many people are getting sleeved? Like, is this, are most of the human bodies walking around sleeves are most are, you know, is this something that's reserved only for the very rich or for victims or for someone else? Like she says at one point, it sounds like the, so human bodies still have to be born 
and they still have to exist, it sounds like. These aren't fake human bodies, so they only have a store of sleeves based on ones they've gotten rid of, and it sounds like a lot of the ones they're sleeving are prisoners. Those are the the stock yeah. of sleeves they're using are prisoners, which is a whole different ball of wax, an ethical issue of like... <laughs> well, and it really, it really comes down to the real ethical issue on this show, which is what is a human being? Um, is yes. it just their memories, which it seems like what they're, at least the society believes, but not all of the society, because they talk about the archdiocese and how they say that if you are spun up anything after your death, then you go to hell. So there's, right. there's an archdiocese, a religious, uh, you know, I guess the Catholics believe that, this this entire process uh, is is inappropriate and not okay. But most of the society seems to accept it as a way of you know, like this little girl getting a new body or whatever, uh, right? Or, or prisoner and and the fact that prisoners, if if you were just your memories and all the the only part of you that matters is this little disc in your neck, that seems very dehumanizing. But it also gives yeah. you a lot of power and flexibility. Uh, it's interesting. And this is a question that, like, AI writers have been talking about for a while, or, or just science fiction writers, like, you know, what would it mean to have your consciousness, you know, separate from your body and being able to put into other bodies? Um, I do think it's a, a topic the show is going to get into, especially because we did see that, you know, it, it seems like that this war that happened 250 years ago was in large part to stop some of what was happening. Um but yeah. also that, um, which I'm, I'm not quite sure how that works because it did seem like that they were already even in stacks at the time that all that happened. Well, it sounds um, like it seems to me that at least the, okay. So the, the lady seemed very amazed by this guy being 360 years old, Bancroft. Right. She was like, she talked about Methuselah. So it sounds to me like he's one of the oldest people. Is, yeah. is what she thinks at least. Um, so I have to imagine it's been about 360 years since they've been doing this process. And then now, now that 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 being said, he could have been 120 when he got his first one or whatever. So it's very right. possible that 250 years ish when when uh, I can't remember the name of the main character Takashi Takashi. Yeah, I think that's it. I, I'll look up where you where you speak. It's very possible that Takashi is from. The like first generation. It, we also saw him as a child, so I'm assuming that body was his first body. Um, he, he, he uh -huh. had a, he had a sister, so I'm assuming that's his, this is his second body. Uh, and and right. it seems like maybe you know at one years old he was given this uh, device. I forget the name of the device, um, but he's given this device, and then his generation had a had a fight against it. But at the same time, you know, it, it's very possible that in while he was fighting against them, and it, uh, Bancroft says he remembers the envoys, the ones that are fighting against this. Right. The way, and I don't think he's necessarily fighting against this technology, but it sounds like they're fighting against the, a world where only the rich. We're not sure it. though. It's, it's it's up in the air. Yeah, that could well be. Two other, uh, first of all, the character's name is, uh, and I, I may well be pronouncing this wrong, and please write in if I am, uh, Te Te Takeshi Kovacs. Takeshi Kovacs, okay. Kovacs is what they kept calling him, that's right. Yeah, uh, Kovacs, I think, is probably our, the easiest thing we can, uh, choose, which is interesting as well, because, um, the, the first name definitely is, uh, Japanese sounding, the last name is not. Um, unless, uh, I, I may well be misunderstanding that, but that's certainly my initial impression. 
Um, one of the things I wanted to pick up on what you said was, first of all, you know, I do think there is still some concern about this in the modern day world because of the protest we saw uh, outside oh, sure. of the prison as he was getting out. Um, well, and, and, so, and the archdiocese. I think those people are allied with the archdiocese right. that believes that this shouldn't be happening. And there I am. And again, I don't know how much the religious world has changed from today to now. Um, but if you told me today that an archdiocese was particularly opposed to something, um, one of my first thoughts was, okay, you're saying the archdiocese, not the Vatican. So does that not mean, does that mean that not all Catholics agree and that some archdioceses have a different perspective? Um, that might be me reading too much of our modern world into this world, but it's certainly something I'm, I'm going to be curious to see as they explore, like, uh, I, I think the show is set in San Francisco because it seemed like that's certainly the, the, there's a shot that looked kind of like the Bay, uh, and they call it talking about Alcatraz, but I'll be curious to know, like, are different parts of the, like, well, first of all, maybe like, is, is this part of the world one where they, um, you know, are they doing stacks and sleeves in, uh, Africa or China or, or, you know, Europe or wherever? Um, but also is this an area where there's more controversy about it, um, compared to the rest of the world? Yeah, I have no idea. And I, you know, I, to be honest, I just knew that archdiocese was a Catholic term. I, I don't even know. Uh, <laughs> I didn't even know there was a difference. Uh, I'm, I'm not very versed on the, the, on Catholicism or its, uh, so, know, parts. So, son of a Southern Baptist minister, I can imagine it's not the highest thing on the yeah, education it, list. It, especially in Alabama. I'm, I'm, yeah. son of a Southern Baptist minister in Alabama. So there's not much Catholicism yep. around here. Some of my best friends are Catholics, actually. And I, and I've been to some services with them, but I don't know anything about the inner workings or obviously I know sense. what the Vatican is and I know what the Pope is, but yeah. I, Archdiocese is just a term. <laughs> that I've heard in movies, basically. <laughs> yeah, I just uh, because I've worked for a long time in politics and and partnership with religion a lot. I know a lot about the sort of political workings of the the Catholic Church and its hierarchy. But um, the other thing I was thinking about in terms of the idea of the three hundred fifty years is, I'm wondering if because so we have two. It seems like there's two different ways that a person could have been alive all this time. One of which is uh, uh, Kovacs, where you're literally like, you were alive 250 years ago, you're locked up in cyber storage, and then 250 years later, you're brought back. Um, and I, my, my impression is that that is something that is weird and crazy and strange, but at least makes sense to people. Whereas Bancroft has actually been walking around and existing for 350 years, which means that yeah. his stack has been safe. For 350 years. And so I'm kind of wondering, is that part of the thing of that? There's just kind of a, the general belief of like over 350 years, it's likely something's going to happen, you know, and that you are eventually going to have actual death. Um, I, I don't know. That's all conjecture, but that to me, it's one more interesting thing to look at in terms of how they view age. Hmm. Y yeah, I, I definitely think that's, that's the difference between, and it just, it seems to me that a lot of the stack stuff going on is just to serve the rich. You know, like it seems like yeah. um, that, yes, it serves victims. And that's probably something that was had, you know, that uh, the victims in these cases had to like kind of fight for um, uh -huh. and, and still aren't getting what they need out of it. But the, if you haven't, they've, they've clearly stayed, if you have enough money, you can get whatever you want. Um, you can get resleeved however often you want, which... Yeah. By the way, the actor who's playing uh, Bancroft, uh -huh. um, I, I love that actor. He was on a show called The Following. 
Uh, with Kevin Bacon. Okay, I was wondering where I knew him from. Yeah, he's really he's really great. He was really great on that cool. show. And I, I I'm really liking both the all the actors in the show. I I think I'm going to make a point to not look up any actors because since there's a high probability, like I imagine it's entirely possible that we'll have a couple of characters who change actors halfway through the show because they get resleeved. Absolutely. Um, so I'm going to be careful not to look that up. Um, but yeah, that that is definitely an interesting thing. I just love this world they set up, and I love how many options there are going forward and how few they used in this first episode. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like we, we kind of got a basic idea of what sleeving is and, and that's not the thrust of the story. It's not, this is not a story about sleeving. It's a story about uh, him deciding whether he wants to work for the man or not. It's, it's, right. it's basically, it's, it's Malcolm Reynolds uh, and they're, and they're asking him to work for uh the Alliance, you know, and, and he's having to decide whether it's worth it to him. And the thing that convinces him in the end is he thinks he can somehow complete the mission, uh, which the mission, as far as we understand yeah. it, was to stop this society from happening. Like, he keeps saying, this is not my world. And so, yeah, right. it's interesting. It's, it's, I, I like that they've built this incredibly complex sci-fi mechanic with a lot of room to try different things that like maybe we won't expect hopefully they'll do things we're not even thinking about but uh-huh. also it's not about that it's still a very human story about a guy getting out of prison and a guy who yeah. fought on the wrong side of or well not the wrong side the losing side of a war exactly um, yeah what well, i i like that because i mean as i see it we really have three layers of a story um we have the sort of overarching like let's let you explore this whole world and you're going to have questions and we're going to eventually dive into the answers to those questions. Um, I don't think anyone from the making of lost is involved with the show. So I'm pretty hopeful there. Um, the second level, and I think kind of the, the primary story you're right, is going to be the human journey of this person and probably the other people in his life. Um, I mentioned while we were live casting that I think it's almost definite that um, at first I thought it was going to be the girl who dies with him in that, uh, in the flashback. But now I think it's the, um, the the black woman with braids who i think i think we're pretty sure is falconer you know um i i, I i'm almost certain she's going to come back in some kind of a sleeve but the point being like what we have the story of you know kovacs's journey and him trying to come to terms with this new world or come to terms with fighting against the world um and then we also have a mystery um which i i do get the impression that we're going to have that may not span the whole season but the exploration of the mystery and thus the exploration of Bancroft's world um, is also going to be a fun story. So I, I think this is a really good example of a first episode that gives you enough about the world to sink your teeth into and you don't feel totally lost, but also has set up these three different kind of lines of questions that you have a lot of questions on. And I'm, I'm at least really excited to know more about. Me too, man. Me too. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, well, uh, let's see any any other things we haven't discussed about this episode that we want to like dive into. We haven't really talked about the the cops, the police officers. Um, right. I like their characters. I am interested to see. I, we we talked about it on the live stream, but yeah, it looks like those two are going to get together at some point. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of little, uh, or maybe not, or maybe she will. Uh, out of <laughs> the, the the they tend to like characters like her. Uh, to stay chaste because it keeps them professional. Um, yeah. And so it's very possible well, it, that'll, ha- that'll, that'll take a while. I don't know. I mean, I predicted they'd get together because unfortunately that's just the trope. Yeah. And I'd kind of like to see something break the trope, but we'll see. Um, 
about about the cops, I was actually thinking beginning like they're some of the people I most wonder are they sleeves as well, you know? And that's that's what I'm really curious about. Yeah, like they're they're not the poor, they're not the victims, they're just kind of middle class cop people. <laughs> so like, yeah, it's it, it's interesting that even. I, yeah, I, I need to know more about the society. Like, I need to know statistics. Like, because th- it doesn't seem like there'd be enough bodies to go around if these stacks continue to exist. Unless they're putting stacks in, like, newborns or something, which might be something they explore at some point, which sounds really awful. Because on the one hand, also, if the the bodies are all coming from prisoners or people who died young or things like that... um then your first thought is that for the most part, the sleeves are probably not going to be in the best condition. Um, but they did mention at one point that, you know, a, an envoy would get downloaded into a body that had, you know, advanced combat mechanics and stuff like that. So it certainly sounds like they can alter bodies in some way. Well, yeah. And it made me really interesting that first, the first scene they're talking about, like him having the ability to see through walls. Um, yeah. there's like superpower stuff happening. <laughs> and like, was that something that was going on? 250 years ago, but isn't really going on now. I can't imagine that. Surely there's going to be something with that. I, I don't know what, yeah. what did he, how did he upgrade? Cause we see him as, um, as a child and, and, and I'm, and you know, this may not be the case, but I assumed them because of the change of race and the change of age and like the lack of care of which sleeve you get. I was assuming that the young Asian boy is the same sleeve. Uh, I find myself being really weirded out because I'm watching this show and I'm just starting to think of all the bodies as sleeves instead of yeah. people. And it's like, it's like messing with me a little bit. Like I am having well, <laughs> moral issues. Cause I'm like thinking of this little boy who's probably just a little boy who hasn't been sleeved. And I'm like that sleeve, is that the same sleeve as the same, uh, as the yeah. tattooed, uh, Takashi in the future? Or well, and Kovacs, I, I am having Kovacs. a similar kind of thing because uh, my partner and I have been diving really into Westworld. We um, spent uh, a lot of our first time in quarantine uh, just, you know, uh, binging, binging Westworld. Which, have you seen that? Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm caught uh, yeah. up. Well, I haven't watched last night's yet, but I'm caught up other than that. I mean, that has all kinds of similar issues about, like, what is the nature of a body and the nature of consciousness and... In that one, it's all about bodies that are literally manufactured. But it's 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 I'm ha- I, I'm having trouble not seeing those issues the from this show through the lens of Westworld. So I think it it's gonna be really interesting to me to see this as a different take on kind of similar issues and and where this goes with it. Yeah, it's interesting, and and depending on your own proclivities, it could have very different um, feelings because m- at least most of the AIs or the bodies or the people or the whatever, the hosts in Westworld, um, I guess spoilers for Westworld, not too many, not really spoilers, are are actually AIs who are being built. And I guess all are AIs that are being built. Now, um, these are actual people that their brains are being stored. So does that give us different feelings about who they are and what they are? Um, and I, I, to me, it does. To me, it does. And I don't, I don't think that's necessarily fair, which is all about what Westworld is about. But like, I do have a different feeling about these people who were born as humans and have been downloaded. They have like an immediate yeah. um, value to me that some of these, the, the, especially the non um, sentient AIs on Westworld don't. Right. I, I feel like there's a very good possibility that that's the direction we'll go in. 
I also feel like at this point, I just don't know enough to, to, to know because like you said, I, 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 I kind of want to go back and, um, rewatch that, that, uh, really great speech by the woman at the kind of like, hello, welcome to being a new sleeve. Cause I feel like there's some details of that that she gives about who exactly are sleeves and who is not that I'm forgetting right now. Um, uh, I, I will say though, also, I, I you know, <laughs> I am really glad we're doing this and going back and watching a show that, you know, has been out in the public consciousness for a while. But I'm also remembering why I like to watch shows right as they come out, because what I really want to do is just, you know, Google search, like who are, you know, Google search, what does being a sleeve mean in Altered Carbon? Right. But of course, if we do that, we're going to get horribly spoiled. So there's yeah. no way we can. Well, also, it's the, it's a problem with the Netflix model where they come out with 13 episodes at a time or whatever. I think this is 10. I think this is 10 and then eight. So there's only 18 episodes of the show currently. Um, and it's just like. It, you can't, it's hard to talk about to anyone about it because everyone's on a different episode. And that's why we're doing it this way yeah. every day. Uh, we're all in quarantine. I don't one know how many of you guys are out there in quarantine, but we're going to do one a day and we're going to, we're going to do this whole uh, thing and we'll be doing the Netflix party, uh, which tomorrow, I don't know what we're going to talk about or what we're going to do tomorrow. I don't know if we're going to keep the yeah. Twitch thing going while we're doing the Netflix party. Cause obviously anyone checking in on Twitch was uh, probably just like, what's going on here? It's just quiet. Um, yeah, but we had planned on chatting on yeah, I, 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 Twitch, but we ended up chatting more on Netflix party. So we might just do Netflix party, then go live yeah, at I, noon. I, I think, we'll, I think we have some more thoughts to do about that. Um, though certainly for any of our listeners, um, if you have thoughts on that, uh, please write in and tell us, you know, if you were on either Twitch or Netflix or both, tell us what that was like for you. And that can help us decide what to do next. Um, I, I think it's a good time also to start moving towards listener uh, discussion, but I wanted to just ask you one last thing, or at least just make one last point uh, about the police. I love that we have a story that has multiple factions. Um, For sure. I don't, I don't like when, you know, you start out with a whole bunch of different races or different groups doing different things, and then you start to realize, like, that actually a couple of them are all on one side and a couple of them are all on the other. Um, and I'll use as two examples, like the recent TV show, the Watchmen to me is a great example of you've got like four or five groups or people all have their own agendas. Some are kind of working with each other, but they don't know each other's motives. Oh, yeah. and, you know, it's not just one-on-one. Um, There's a few people that stay pretty teamed up, but like everyone has their own motives, which is how life is. And I think it's right. much more interesting and it allows for shifting in in uh, alliances that you can not expect, but that makes sense. You know what I mean? And there's yeah. some shows that just like shows that simplify it down to where like, there's just good guys and bad guys, which is kind of yeah. what most of these sort of genre shows end up doing. Um, it, 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 it's hard. It's hard to be- believe when someone changes from the dark to the light. It's, it's, right. it seems like much, a much more intense change. Whereas something like this, where you just change, you, you don't even have to change you, the situation changes. And then you are suddenly on the opposite side of the gun or whatever. Right. Well, and not even just that, but also just when we get the reveal, I'm trying to say this without spoiling anyone. Um, but, uh, there's a TV show, Matt, that I know you've been watching recently where at the start of the TV show, we had a couple of different groups that all seemed to be working, uh, against our protagonist, but for different reasons, and more recently, at least I haven't seen the most recent episode, but more recently we learned that at least two of the big ones are working together. 
Um, and, and that to me was definitely a disappointment. And I, if you have no idea what I'm talking about, I'll, I'll text you about it later, but, um, hopefully sure some people know what I'm talking maybe, about. Maybe we'll do it off the recording if it's a spoiler or you can say spoilers okay, for cool. whatever. And we jump forward 30 seconds, um, or whatever. Sure. But, uh, yeah, um, I don't know. I don't know what that is, but yeah, I get you. I get your. I get your meaning. I think that was that was too general and probably a mistake. But yeah, I, I'll, I'll <laughs> let you know. And in, in, uh, we can post it somewhere so people yeah. have some idea what in the world I'm talking about. I don't um, really mind when things people end up being on the same team. Uh, I do kind of mind when uh, I just don't like the dichotomy of good and bad. I think that's really what it is. And oh, we we, we mentioned this on the live stream again, but uh, you were talking about how this show is much more adult. Um, yeah. And, and much more, I forget the words you used, uh, just very explicit. Sexually explicit. Um, and you said that's something Netflix doesn't do. I don't think that's really a Netflix thing. I think you might be just thinking of like the defenders, which honestly, even the, some of those, some of those shows got pretty sexually explicit, uh, at times, but I think that's like a, a artifact of their also Marvel. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. so, but, but Netflix has some shows that are pretty explicit and, um, you know, this, this being one of them, I'm thinking of like, uh, black mirror is pretty dark in times and gets mm. really weird and explicit, um, in some really strange ways. It may be, I'm not seeing all the Netflix stuff. I, I, I've generally had a sense of like, like, obviously like the Marvel Netflix universe doesn't do nudity because it's Marvel and it's supposed to be kind of like PG 13. And I, I, I have some thoughts about like the mostly no nudity, but really graphic violence. Oh, yeah. But th- That's another question. Um, but to me, I feel like, and I know that there's a lot of Netflix stuff that's much more explicit than that, but I've always sort of felt like there was a kind of line uh, that, you know, th- there's the HBO level of like just gratuitous sexuality that I don't even say like, it's not even that it's a bad thing. Like I can enjoy watching that to be sure. But that some of the HBO shows have very, not just nudity and not just like a sex scene, but very sexually explicit uh, moments. Um, For sure. That I haven't seen, haven't seen much on Netflix. And, and this was the first time, like, uh, you know, there was, there was one moment where, uh, um, uh, and it's in the kind of holograms, but like where a woman is like very clearly giving a blowjob to someone and you don't like see she a penis. Is. Well, see, but- that's the thing. It's like, it's, it's walking that line where very clearly she's giving a blowjob, but they very deliberately cover the penis at all times. <laughs> so it's, it's still right. not, it's still not getting obviously into porn, but, uh, it's, it's, it was, it was really close. It, it, yeah. it walked on the line. I will say, I just think this show is intended for adults and most of the stuff we've oh, done yes. on stranded <laughs> oh, Panda, yes. uh, and, and most of the stuff we cover here is, you know, is genre, most genre stuff is meant to be sort of PG thirteen or PG yeah. for to be for all ages, and this show is not. So, yeah, uh, if you come from any of our other shows and you're used to us talking about superhero shows that are a little more PG thirteen or PG, sorry, this is not that. This is a <laughs> this is a rated R show. Just imagine this is all of us talking about Deadpool because this is definitely on a Deadpool level compared to the rest of the the, the comic book stuff we watch. Yeah, this is rated R, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, well, I think that's all I got to say about this for now. Um, yeah. I, I, I think we've covered a lot of the, a lot of the sort of just, this is good world building, really good world building. Yeah. Uh, just kind of looking at some of the texts we got, uh, when we were in the Netflix party, there were some interesting discussions. Um, certainly a lot of people had different opinions on, um, uh, you know, where we, who were we going to see come re-sleeved back and things like that. Um, one comment that I just want to read, because we, we, we kind of talked a little bit about it, was No One's Minion says that he liked that this was just kind of a bit of uh, world building and establishing characters, which I think, I think is very true. And I think that that's, 
you know, we didn't really sink into the stories very much, but we we did so much to establish the world that I, I feel like it's a great place to go forward from. Well, and speaking on not sinking into the story, you know, the, you know what the story circle is or like uh, the sort of Joseph Campbell um, story structure. Yeah. Uh, this is all resisting yep. the call. This episode is all resisting the call. And at the end of the episode, yeah. he finally accepts the call to adventure. And that's and so this is just literally world building. It's like who he is. And now he's been resisting the call all this time. And now he's just decided to, like, let himself enter into the adventure. Right. Yeah. So I'm looking forward to it. And uh, to, uh, I think we're going to, uh, you know, we're going to work out some of the kinks technologically and uh, uh, figure things out. But I think we're going to be really strong going forward. Yeah. So we'll be back tomorrow at 11 a.m. to do a Netflix party with our patrons. If you are interested in being a patron, um, we uh, have three three different shows on Stranded Panda Network that uh, you can patronize the Stran- Superhero Ethics podcast, uh, the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast or the DC on screen podcast. Um, all of those are part of the same network. And any, if you're, if you're a uh, patron of any of those, you can get on the Netflix party. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if we don't get maxed out, we may let others join the Netflix party. Um, but as of now, we're uh, trying to keep it to patrons. And uh, if you go yeah. become a patron, we'll let you know every day on the Patreon uh, where you can, uh, get the show and we've also got a patron only group on um on facebook it's just stranded panda patrons you can search yep. for it and uh a request entry and if, if you're a patron we'll let you in <laughs> easy as that and uh i think all the links will be there but also Sweet. um uh just for folks who don't know me before i'm the host of the superhero ethics podcast uh and so anyone who's looking for more information about that or to find the patreon for that if you go to the superheroethics.com website that'll take you right there um, be careful Googling because it turns out that someone wrote a book called superhero ethics. Um, uh, someone after I established the name, but, um, oh, uh, you know, it's a different realm. Uh, the funny thing is he's doing it from a very different, fairly conservative point of view. Um, so don't get us mixed up, but yeah, uh, if you actually go superheroethics.com, you'll get there. Sweet. All right, guys. Well, again, we are, uh, stranded Panda and the Bingers assemble podcast. Uh, this will be up as a podcast. So if you only caught part of it, you can catch the podcast a little later. Uh, I think I might actually stay on the live stream a bit, uh, since we've been live streaming a while, I might just do a little music. Um, that sounds good. Yeah, man. I think it'll be cool. So, uh, we're going to switch over and just do a little music for a little while. If you guys have any requests, I'll play some songs and, uh, that, but that's, this ends the podcast. Thank you for joining, uh, on Bingers Assemble. Peace. Have a good day. Bingers Assemble is a part of the Stranded Panda Network. To connect with us, search your favorite social media platform for Bingers Assemble or go to strandedpanda.com slash bingers. While there, you can find more from your host today and the rest of the Stranded Panda Network. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. 
We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required. Don't kid with COVID. M-Health Fairview wants you to know the COVID-19 virus is here now. The world has shown us it can spread quickly with serious consequences. Maybe you've heard the term flatten the curve. Unchecked, the virus could spread quickly and overwhelm our community. This is happening in Italy today. But South Korea has proven that smart prevention can limit COVID-19's impact. Wash your hands, avoid big groups, stay home, don't go out. We've all got to do our part. For more info, visit mhealthfairview.org or the Minnesota Department of Health. Wow, how things can change from one week to the next. Hey, hope everybody out there is staying healthy. I know everything is super crazy. We feel disoriented by the COVID-19 virus. It's more important than ever to stay connected and check in with your loved ones. That's why I'm so happy I've got T-Mobile. Listen, T-Mobile isn't just talking the talk. They're taking measures right now to make life easier for everyone by doing the right thing for their customers during this really critical time. For example, T-Mobile has ensured all current customers with data plans have access to unlimited smartphone data on their network for two months. We're all in this together. T-Mobile truly believes that. And while many T-Mobile stores are temporarily closed to help keep customers and employees healthy, they've still got you covered with any help you need. Just check out T-Mobile.com. You can see what stores are still open and how you can manage your account online. Stay safe out there. During congestion, customers using more than 50 gigs a month may notice reduced speeds prioritization. Video typically at 480p, capable device required.